The Intermediate Line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. The Intermediate Line is brought to you by nervouswater.com.au. Thomas and Thomas Fly Rods, Shilton Fly Reels and Call and Fly Lines. Power Pole, Total Boat Control. Ketterfly Apparel, from time on the water to you. Beast Brushes, we stay in our lane of experience to improve your experience. Back to another episode, folks of the Intermediate Line podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Christopher Adams, and I am here with the famous Gordon Bombay, the coach of the Mighty Ducks. How are you, Gordon? <laughs> I'm going great, mate. So is my team. It's been pretty good. Yeah. Sick, man. How's the season going, mate? Where are you guys on the ladder? Uh, coming equal second at the moment. Yeah, maybe, maybe first. I don't know, mate. Just play what's in front of you and all those cliches, eh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. For those interested, the Intermediate Line's got a, a pool going for uh, Volti's um, soccer team that he coaches. And um, if you want to put some money in, just shoot uh, Volti a message, mate. He's the one holding the money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Might mate. be a bit of a conflict of interest, but uh, hey. Yeah, let's soccer. spice things up a bit, hey. It's only soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> football, you mean, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. you got to call it football. Don't want to offend call, anyone. Do you guys call football at that level? Uh, look, mate, I'm just happy to have enough players on the field to do whatever, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just ask you one more thing before we uh, we get into fishing, but um, are you an encouraging coach or are you like, oh, for fuck's sake, Tommy, you know, <laughs> what are your feet painted on? Yeah, there's, the school has a code of conduct where I'm not allowed to swear and, um, you know, anything that comes out of my mouth has to be super positive so i got to frame it you know in a, in a for fornication's sake tommy yeah <laughs> <laughs> for sex education john johnny come on <laughs> no so for example like you know little little tommy i'd say oh mate that was a great job the artist did with your feet there you know <laughs> like that, eh? oh yeah. yeah i'm with you yep yeah, yeah gotcha yeah, yeah. No, funny thing yeah. is mate I know some people whose uh, arms have, um, are painted on in regards to fishing as well, but we won't bring that up tonight. It's a positive <laughs> show. <but laughs> they know who they are. 
Nudge, nudge. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway, mate, what have you been up to? What's been going on? Not much, just work, mate, just work, 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 work. It's, uh, yeah, I'm planning to go, we'd like to go fishing soon. It's a great time of year, it's just work's been, um, got to make the hay while the sun shines. That's all I could tell you, really. Sure, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, well, been going well on. I'm glad everything's going well for you, mate. Sounds good. Heck yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Some people have been getting out and getting some great fish I've seen around um, around the traps between um, people that we know. Um, without doing Volte's Wide World of Sports, you know, you people know who you are. You know, if you've caught yourself a good fish, you be the judge. And just give yourself a pat on the back. We'll give you a moment. Well yeah. done. Yeah, there's been a few firsts. There's been a few big ones. There's been a few little ones. Um, been a great time to be an in- internet um, sleuth too. So. <laughs> you could say that, detective. Um now, tonight's show, today's show, I always get roped into saying it's not really recorded at night, but you could listen to this first thing in the morning. We don't really know. Um, so let me just say, but when you do listen to this about today's, tonight's show, or this show rather, is going to be focused primarily on uh, education in, about fly tying materials. Now, I have to shout out to um, to Sir Adam Crowfoot, um, uh um, of the Crowfoot family who, who reached out to me and asked that um, we could please do a show that explains uh, fly tying materials. Um, there's a lot of people that are getting into tying flies recently, which is great. And uh, I realized that some of the materials um, can be a bit confusing, um, particularly when it comes to tying specific flies in specific ways. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's what we're going to try and cover a little bit in tonight's show, today's show, this show. God, man, so many pronouns for this show, I get confused. <laughs> what does this show identify as? Uh, now. Fucking awesome. The show right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, we've had reports that we don't say heck yeah enough. Uh, I thought I'd just rip out a few early. Yeah, get them out. Yeah. Uh, all right, so yeah, look, Um, I guess it would be fair, Volts. You know, to prelude the chat tonight um, in saying that tonight's chat would primarily be in regards to us staying in our lane. And um, and for us to, that means um, saltwater and, um, or freshwater natives. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's fair enough. What do you think, mate? Uh, yeah, I don't want to put a label on it other than bigger than size six, you know. So, uh, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, beyond that, you know, it starts to get a little bit salmoned. Um, and that's cool. We've done a bit of that. We respect and like that, but yeah, um, it's not, not our backyard. It's not our playground. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, like, recently, um, you know, I put up I, I put up a, a story on the Instagram page that I shared from one of our avid listeners. And Hugh and Oliver, you are to blame, okay? Now, I'm not I'm, I, now, Hugh, and if you're listening to this, I apologize if you're under the bus. But you know full well that I realised I shouldn't have put up that that story when it happened. Have you seen that story about the dude claiming that he's <laughs> like that? I'm not going to talk about what he does, but the start of the movie is like when a when a trout fisherman starts fishing saltwater. Did oh, you watch that? Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, right. it is. It is funny, but um, <sighs> but you know, we didn't mean to hurt people. But the backlash from um those who fish for um trout. Has been interesting, <laughs> to say the least. 
And I wanted to just, you know, just tell people to lynch Hewan now, not me. That'd be great. Thank you. That's my announcement for the before the show. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that sounded to me like um, sounded like an apology in reverse. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, I just wanted to say, don't blame me. Um, I'm just doing what the people want. <laughs> a lot of hits on that one. Anyway, moving forward, I think that's um, I think that's fair enough, Danny Volts. Like, I think that we, you know, we can only really cover what's in our lane. We don't go around <laughs> talking about things that we don't know uh, intimately, and that's what we <laughs> want to educate you on as best as best we can. We know that a lot of people listening to this show also felt fall under that category. Um, a lot of people fall under the category of, of both camps as well. Not to try and segregate, you know, trout from everyone else, trout fishermen from everyone else. God, I'm really digging a hole here. But uh, my point is that um, <laughs> we're not going to be, we're not really going to be talking about materials as it pertains to um, size 22 flies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It feels like sometimes the more you try to be diplomatic and, uh, you know, fair or not offensive or anti-inflammatory, uh, the deeper <laughs> that hole gets. Eh? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And that's how it's feeling right now. As it reminds me of the fly line episode. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's use that as a reminder to uh, never go that way again. Uh, but anyway, you get the point, you get the point, you get the point. So some of the things, we might talk about saddles, for example, tonight. Um, and you might not hear us talk about winding that saddle onto a hook or palmering that on at all. That might trigger you to throw something against your wireless. I apologize in advance. <laughs> so let's launch into this potential train wreck, eh? <laughs> yeah, let's uh, go, man. What do we want to kick off first? I, uh, um, yeah. I actually got something I want to share with you, mate. If 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 you don't mind, in regards to um, a mindset for fly ties, aspiring fly ties, you might be listening to this. Yes, um, and people that are might might be aspiring to learn more about fly tying, as to you know to interact with commercial ties or what have you, uh, yeah, for man. whatever reason. But um, but I want to offer. Uh, like I spoke about, I, I want to talk about a conversation I had today in regards with someone who was a casting student of mine. Mal, I know you listen to this show, mate, and I don't want to sound like I'm obsessed with you because I've talked about you two night, two shows in a row now, but you keep giving me this um, information that I want to share with others based on what we talk about. And there was something that happened today that I hope he doesn't mind me saying. I'm sure he'll be fine, but uh, I wanted to um, read it out because um, it was a pretty interesting interaction, you know. Um, are you prepared to hear this, Volts? Certainly am, man. Let, let's go. Let's talk about Mal's melodrama. That's, <laughs> okay. That's uh, Molly's melodrama, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about Mal. Okay. Now, yeah. Now, now Mal's a, a, a more than competent um, lure dude, you know? Like, he's he's got a healthy interest in fly fishing. It's new to him. It's um, stoke levels are high with that. And um, Those and, guys often make great fly fishing, you know? Absolutely. They, yeah. Well, they yeah, great anglers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean, we've talked about on the show many times. That uh, the hardest thing for a great angler who's used to catching fish already and used to like getting a certain amount for their day, 
of the hardest thing for the person like that to learn fly fishing is just to just to embrace the suck for while you're learning all these things the gear selection fly selection you know and and what we're about to talk about now uh he'll get his head around it because he's, he's asking questions he's not assuming and he's just uh educating himself and um and as we've mentioned in the past the um the follow the beef thing is uh, as many of you guys would have heard is a good way to educate yourself um but like like the way we do uh, we explain that we don't know everything not not everyone does know everything so you know get a variety you know what i'm saying but just yeah. uh, look for the same results you're looking to achieve in that person that you're getting uh, advice from that's all i really want to say in regards to that but so today uh mal and i were talking in regards to um some flies um and some flies that were um are from a discontinued product but it's 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 not really important uh what it was um but the fly that he was looking at there was something that someone tied in the U.S. there that that is pretty heavily modelled from, you know, a lures, you know, like uh, soft lures or hard lures or what have you, you know. And I think that um, it's an easy trap to fall into for, for fly ties or aspiring fly fishermen to look back on previous results as a lure fisherman and try to replicate those as a fly fisherman. And I did have some things to say in regards to that uh you know we went on to talk about um some of the flies that i suggested i realized that would be foreign when you're coming away from something that's got like a massive paddle tail or a, or a huge chatter blade or something like that on there or a spinnerbait blade and stuff but there's a mindset to take with flies that can offer you an advantage and this is what i what i wrote to him um i do reference a bend back in here because he's fishing for cod and and if he's fishing from the bank and you're just starting out I really do personally believe there's no other better fly than, unless you like swimming, you know? So, um, so I wanted to, um, I, I, you, will hear, you will hear me talk about that. So I'm just going to read out what I wrote verbatim. So when, when talking about fly selection based off lures, I said, I would impart this wisdom on you as you move forward in your fly selection. The vibration generated from natural materials tied in a correct way is very different from vibrating timber or plastic. It's, it's every hair vibrating and offering what is potentially a more natural vibration than conventional gear can offer. I would also suggest that a common mistake that people make with flies is not understanding the advantages uh, flies offer over conventional, and that is never learned when tying flies to replicate success in lures. Uh, in saying all that, if you want to create a presence in dirty water with flies, you will need to put the fly closer to the fish. Uh, you might, might take a different understanding of the fish, well, closer than you would normally chuck a lure without spooking them. And when and when it is that close to a fish, the vibration of the natural materials and the feel of the natural materials is likely to see a fish that misses come back for another go or not miss because the confidence is way, way up over 100%. Uh, nothing beats a bend back for that. Um, I went on to say that there is so many advantages of fly compared to lures and vice versa, but both are not effective if one is trying to replicate the other. Yep. <clears throat> and I thought that that, you know, like even that last bit was enough to to um to make you think if you are come to the category of an aspiring fly consumer, you know, is to is to leave it behind and try to understand the benefits or the advantages that fly offers, not only in being weightlessness, but for what the materials do under the water. You know, it's just not, sometimes it's just not a matter of, especially in dirty waters like what he's fishing, replicating the aesthetics of a fish. 
or um you know, of a lure. yeah of a lure sorry i meant to say yeah, yeah. it's um can i yeah. jump in here I, I remember you know and and this was um this was actually on one of the early podcasts we were talking about um the effectiveness of uh we we're talking about bass special about vampires yep and for years you know i it's not that I didn't accept that ba- that, that bass vampires were deadly. I mean, that's beyond debate. But I just couldn't understand why they were so effective. And um, it wasn't till you made this exact point to me that the penny dropped. It was about, um, you know, the the value of the estaz. Um, and, you know, I thought, that's oh, still pushing that much water, you know. The mylar, like, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And... Um, and oh yeah, well, the Estes Chenille, but yeah, yeah keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you know the vibration of, of all those individual fibers, or that you know what what that actually feels like to the fish underneath the water. The um, you know the the sonic signature, for want of a better word, I don't know what what the technical hydrodynamic term actually is for it, but you know, I'd be happy with that sonic yeah. signature. Yeah, like it, uh, it's so much different. Like. Um, and, you know, it could work in the same way that, you know, dimples on a golf ball work or you even see some of the best plastics are, are ribbed, you know, like um, Mr. Twisters, for example. For years, those curl tails have a certain, you know, throbbing thump underneath the water that they set up. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry. Mate, yeah, sorry. It sounded okay. like you might have been going down a, tr- a dark track there for a sec, but uh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm listening, right? But Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Cu- I, I didn't intend to cut you off. I thought we were going to keep talking through there, but um, uh, I will say that if, if you are finished there, like that, that um, one of the things that uh, humans do is overthink, and uh, and I think that um, when we create vibrations and noises that appeal to us and our ears, not 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 realizing that these fish that live in dirty water that feed with their face. And hunt fish that are completely silent and more than capable of um, of detecting, you know yeah. that sort of, that sort of movement. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, so um, so when you think of the advantage of fly over over lures and stuff, sure, like um, something that, that vibrates like a set of car keys dragged through the water, is going to overstimulate a fish that it might it might it might leave its log uh, to talk about cod, uh, might leave its snag uh, from a further distance than than it would for a fly. But you can put that fly closer, and you can make it land on its head without it spooking, as opposed to chucking those car keys on the head of a head of a um of, of a fish that might be snag dwelling, for example. Some fish might like that. You can do that with flies as well, you know. But, but you need to understand the materials, and even then, when you build something through understanding the materials, so it doesn't the water, you still got to be able to cast it. So then you got to understand the line, you know. You got to understand the rod to to to, to cast it, and you got to understand the technique to ca- to move the rod, you know. But uh, it all it all the whole thing just adds up together. I think that uh, understanding the fly and knowing how to hunt the fish because that's the business end. Um, I mean, you don't go and spend, you know, what fifteen hundred bucks on a rod, a thousand dollars on a reel, and two hundred bucks on a fly line to go and waste your time on the pointy end with a with a, a cheap hook and a fly that um, you know resembles your favourite lure. Doesn't swim yeah. like it at all, though. Yeah, yeah. That look, and it's a completely logical, you know, path to go down. Or that you know that colour or that style is my favourite lure. I'm going to do it with a fly, you know. It makes it makes sense as a starting point, but yeah, just you know, to build upon upon that school of thought, as Chris has said, that's where you need to look. And you know, um, you know, I consider Chris to be the vice chancellor of vibrators 
So, like, you know, you're gonna, <laughs> no, no one else is better positioned to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. About yeah. 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 That's right interesting. Um, <laughs> something will come to me. You wait. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, I mean, I, I was guilty of it in the past, and I guess a lot of the things that we're going to talk about now is probably learned, learned from mistakes. I can remember when I first started fly fishing, you know, I I, I knew I could, I could if I persisted in a place that I knew there was a lot of flathead, which I knew I could catch a lot of them on lures whenever I wanted to they go there, I'd, um, I knew that I could eventually catch one. And I knew knew that um, these particular flathead, flathead all over the place, liked the color pink in the soft plastics I was using or the hard bodies I was using. And I wanted to try a pink thing. Uh, against the um, advice that I got from other people, I just persisted with it. I eventually did catch one on a pink thing, um, but once I used a, once I got shown a, a white clouser, it was it was um, game on. It was way better, um, and it wasn't because one was one was different, better color than the other. It's just that the clouser made better contact with the bottom, uh, which is what what the, what appeals to the flathead more than the the pink thing did. Anyway, uh, that's a long story. That's but you know you can make pink things heavy. But my point is that um, it's it's easy to replicate that stuff, and it's an easy pitfall to head into. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. This is pro- this show is probably aimed at people a bit more advanced than that. Really, like you've already got to have an interest in the in the flies and the fly tying and uh, and the materials that are used to be able to. You already you've probably already made some mistakes. That's the sort of level I guess you'd probably be up to at this stage, or you've you've noticed other people have made mistakes or some people will fish more effectively than others. You know, you, you sort of see the, the pocket that I'm aiming at here, right? You get yeah. it, Volts? I do. Yeah. 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 Yes. All right. So, you know, um, I guess we could sort of get into it a little bit there, I suppose. And I guess, um, you know, for the, for the style of, uh, for the style of, um, flies or, um, fly tying that's, when we prelude at the beginning of the show about, you know, saltwater flies or freshwater natives, there's not many flies that you can get away with it without bucktail. Bucktail seems to be the um, the foundation product for a, for a lot of a lot of materials. That's for sure. Yeah, it does. It's very popular. It's one of the first that you you know it was pretty easy to use effectively for for a beginner. Um, but you know, taking it to an advanced level. Um, you know, maybe we can, uh, you know, enlighten some people today. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, okay. I guess we could start right at the start what it, what, what it is. Obviously, uh, I mean, uh, the term buck kind of gives it away. Buck is a deer tail. A buck is a deer. Uh, I don't believe they all come off male deers, but they all come off the one type of deer uh, generally. Um, uh, white, white-tailed deer. Yep. Yep. I uh, can't, uh, God, the, the Latin names on the tip of my tongue, but I'll only be flexing for the reason of doing it. I don't, it doesn't need to be said. Um, but yeah, they all come from there. And the whitetails, whitetails are, um, are native to, to North America. Uh, just trying to think if they, they head down into Mexico. I know, I know we've got Americans list, listen to this show and they're probably going, yelling at their wireless right now. But um, to my knowledge, you know, they're, they're, they might be in the northern part of Mexico if, 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 possibly i don't know i know mule deers are but um they'll extend all the way up into into canada and stuff like that but uh the most of the ones for fly tying are harvested from the united states 
Yeah, there right. you go. Yeah, well, that makes sense, doesn't it? I like yeah. to kill everything there. Um, well, yeah. Just, but just so we're clear to to some people that they don't they don't come from Australia. The the deer that we've got here just don't provide well, particularly for tails, just don't grow as big a longer tail with as longer hair. Just not not the breed, not the style. Yep. Yep. So bucktail is um is a is a material that you use on. I mean the clouser is is a, is a is is a is a bucktail fly or. Um, couldn't get more, more. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Ubiquitous. Good place to start. Okay. Yep. What were you? What did you say? Ubiquitous. Um, I'm going to edit that word out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's um, uh, just checking on your white-tailed deer. It goes all the way down to South America. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, useless bit of info, but now I know. It does. I mean, the, in the times that I've been bringing it into Australia or working with it, um, I've noticed that it does make a huge difference as to where it comes from. If you can understand the source the best you can, a lot of. I mean, I'm never going to tell you where I get it from, um, and uh, and a lot of people won't because it's 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 so rare. Actually, I'll tell you something about bucktail that, that's happening. It's going to affect everyone in a minute. It's uh, that I think will probably be very important to hear because it's um, yeah. But anyway, like I was saying. The, the colder the place is, the uh, the better the bucktail. You would think that the best stuff would come from Canada, but uh, but there's, they just don't have the population there that some of the northern states in the United States have to be able to harvest deer um, to eat, uh, and therefore, like as a byproduct, the, the tails uh, become available. Uh, they must they must they must harvest an absolute shitload of deers every year. You know, like uh, I, I go through about five thousand tails a year in beast brushes. It's it's a huge amount, and um, well, it is for us based in Australia, I guess. But it is what it is. Um, I don't even think I've told, even told you off, off air with this stuff, Volts. But um, recently, the, let me put it this way: longer, longer bucktail, and this is not just for me in Australia. Like I'm getting customers from from overseas contact me and tell me this same story as well. But recently, uh, maybe in the last six 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 to eight months or so. Um, long bucktail for the fly tying industry is becoming very hard to get and it's not because the animals aren't producing long bucktail it's because there's an industry outside of the fly fishing or fishing industry that has taken an interest in bucktail at the moment and it's um and uh just wondering if i should uh, look it's it's it is what it is it's 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 just a it's a it's a religious based organization and it's um i don't want to really look i probably won't but anyway there's a there's a ceremonial hat hey really uh, yeah a ceremonial uh, hat that's made by a, um a, a um a religious community um that um i don't know they've been making this they're, they're an old an old faith if you like an old religion um but they're all of a sudden this um the the hardcore I, mean, I I know I know the word they call themselves but I'm just not going to bring it up the hardcore in that in that religion um, you know they wear their ceremonial garb if you like and uh, and part of that is, is a certain hat and I don't know what fur they used to make it out of because I I really don't it's not really a part of my life I don't see it um, for where I live but yeah anyway they they are they are acquiring and lapping up everything that's that's five inches and plus and they're paying 
five times as what at the wholesale level as to what they would be normally selling to the flight flight tying industry. So suppliers are going, you know, what do you want me to do? Unless you're going to meet their price, which would make bucktails available in Australia, for example, seventy dollars a tail. Wow. Um, we get we just we're going to have to deal with um, the size tails that they are now. So does this? Um, this just sort of reminds me of, you know, a few years ago, there was this, uh, trend for hairdressers to put like mega long hackles in chicks hair. In Correct. Like that. So, yeah, yep, that's right. So be a fleeting, uh, popularity forecasts are in that pointing in that direction, but we're looking the forecast for the, within the industry for those people that are like a small volume bucktail sellers, which is where the long stuff comes from is um maybe another year year and a half of this i guess you could say so if you've got long tails hang on to them uh there are going to be i mean obviously there are going to be people that 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 sell real small volumes and probably harvest in their in their local area who are going to have them or people people will probably you'll probably see people flexing with tails that they haven't used yet that they've probably been collected collected but and um yeah, I can tell you right now that there's not there's not going to be there's not going to be fresh tails that have come from um, last, the last winter uh, that harvest get harvested or into the next one that are probably going to be of much length, much common length anyway. There's going to be the old ones going to slip through, of course, but yeah, it's a bit of a shame. But you're right. They, what you're talking about there, an example was you could buy a, where you could normally buy a saddle of grizzly hackle um, for a hundred dollars, say for round figures. Once the hairdressing industry got into it, it was popular for for um, females to put them in in their hair as accessories. Those saddles went went double the price. Take it or leave it. You know, like one industry is going industry was going to pay a lot more than the other industry, and obviously that trend has died down now. And saddles don't cost that much, but that was a dark time too. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of gloom and doom around the industry about that. There's a lot of nasty memes, which is always a barometer of. Uh, of how people feel yeah so, <laughs> the meme community yeah yeah meme girls yeah <laughs> yeah anyway so yeah getting getting back to bucktail so that's an interesting thing i wanted to, I, I forgot about that also i was gonna you know as people know we talk on and off the air a lot so it's um i was going to mention that to you to see if you want to bring it up i didn't know how i was going to dance around it but you get my point and i'm sure it wouldn't take that much investigating to to figure that out from uh for those who are listening but yeah, I didn't believe it. when I got when I first got told from from one of my suppliers, I was just like, yeah, you're pulling my leg, dude. You're you're saving the good tails for yourself." And then, then it was the next dude and the next dude, and it was just, it was ridiculous. It was, uh, and now I'm getting I'm getting people sending me messages from from the United States, and you might be listening, and you might be one of those people that are going, "Have you got any tails?" Because this is happening. I'm going, "Yeah, I've already heard that's happening." Yeah, so it's um it's a shame, but anyway, here's what it is. A natural resource and we've we got to share it just that uh, one group of people are uh, much better at um using their money than the rest of us yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right um yeah. cool man so yeah hey, uh how do i choose a good one man like you know obviously sounds like demand is going to go up so choice will probably go down um how do we make make the most of what we've got man yeah, that's a it's a good question, Volts. The the thing with, with selecting bucktail is is you've got to understand that, you know, there's a massive variety in it. There's a mass, massive variance in it. Um, 
not i mean bucktails there are you are you are as unique as fingerprints you know i think that's very very fair enough to say um you really need to know what you want to tie as an example i had an inquiry today from from a dude who's um um starting to get into tying pop flies you know hollow flies buck bulkhead deceivers and stuff and the question was can you can you pick me out a tail to suit uh hollow hollows and bucktails and um i can't do that not that i can't select a tail to suit each one of those flies but one tail won't do both of those flies in my opinion um hollows hollows require a nice nice soft hair uh doesn't so much matter about the length really um, but it just needs to be nice and soft because it needs to needs to lay back whereas the bulk airs need a certain amount of um let's call it stiffness before we get an explanation or uh coarseness if you like to be able to flare and just not not one tail can do both of those things really yep there are some 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 um outliers in that respect like there are do you know about would do you know about breaking the tail up into roughly three three sections bolts um <clears throat> No, well, run me through it. Yeah, run me through it, mate. All right, so you, you got you know the tip area, the middle area, and the and the the butt area, I guess you could say, and r- right down to what would be the widest part, or would be closer to the to the anus, would be um, the stiffest, most coarsest hair. Yep. Um, yep. During the middle, the middle, like uh, you know, and again, this is how long is a piece of string, but around around the middle on both sides is the most usable and the longest hair. That's where the most desirable stuff comes from. A lot of people think the tips are rubbish as well. I, I respectfully disagree. I like the tip section for things like clouds and stuff. I've got a long tail. I might use all the middle for, for hollows or something like that. And, um, you know, the yep. tips are great. There's nothing wrong with the tips. I love the tips. Um, yeah, yeah the tips I, are great. I, I generally start at the tip when I'm trying clouds and say. Yeah, yeah, Time I would too. Yeah. It's just the nicest, the nicest, um, the, the most, what's the word looking for? Easy going hair, <laughs> for lack yeah. of a better way. It's pretty easy yeah. to deal with. Yeah, it's easy. It is easy to deal with. So, with that in mind, I'm glad you use that term. Like if if I throw some some common fly types at you, we spoke about clouses from the tips. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could talk about what type of uh, you know what what type of hair is best suited to different flies, um, would you be comfortable talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Yep. All right, so same tying a beast because I want to get into that. Yep. What type right, so of, yeah, I get asked. I get asked this a lot, you know, like um, <clears throat> and I have got I'll prelude while I'm gonna say I've got I've got a list of customers from from around the world that are like, if you get a tail that's suitable for that, let contact me and I'll no they'll, they'll pay a premium for it, you know, like um, because a, a tail for beasts what I would consider a premium tail for beasts because I'll say that because, you know, you can tie beasts out of a, a range of, of tails and types of tails. But the one factor in regards to hair that's suitable for beasts, which is also suitable for hollows, is they're quite a munted looking tail. They're not the sort of tail that you would take a photo of. You know, they're, you, again, each tail is unique as a fingerprint. You can get some that have got great hair and they look aesthetically pleasing. But most of the ones are like a, such a fine soft hair that it potentially might come from a um a malnourished animal or something like that or one that's you know a runt or something like that perhaps yeah. uh well, what what what's that obviously an adult animal might have been a runt but it's 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 the sort of hair that will um that will like you you know 
if you were to comb out or brush out a tail or something like that, that the hair would start to lean over by itself. If it's standing up by itself, it's probably not the best best hair for uh, any of the reverse tying, really, at the end of the day. Yep. Um, you know, the way that reverse tying works, the internet's a funny place because I see people that do reverse tying and they and all they do is they put it on reverse and they, they instead of putting a thread dam in front of the hair that pushes the hair back, they actually put the, the thread over the hair and then train it back that way. And you're kind of defeating the purpose of doing reverse tying because reverse tied hair is hair that's under stress. Like it, it wants, if you, it wants, if it was, the hair was dead straight, it'd want to stand up like the whole fly has been electrocuted. But once you train it underwater, it gets a, it's the hair soft enough to keep the bend in it and work its way um, rearward facing. Uh, it keeps, because the butts are uh, facing forward, it keeps the shape under the water. Am I, am I making sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Stop me if I am. And like, please ask me a question if I might be not translating <laughs> well, because it is a bit of a nuancy thing. I'm think I haven't seen your videos. I know you've got videos there. I'm trying. I'm I, trying to th think. I don't know. for beasts and hollows, mate. It's I. I only do videos for things that are unique um, okay. to me. You know, I don't. Um, I don't do ones that other people have done. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're going to learn, if you're going to learn beasts and hollow flies. Um, I would skip past every single fucking video on YouTube and I'd just get Bob Popovic's book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's all, it's all in there. And, it's, uh, and as much as there's step-by-steps in there, the, the parts to read in regards to how to tie these things is the stories behind them. The, the efforts that he's gone to, 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 to build up to that things up to that level, I should say to, to what you're seeing today. That's where the real gems are in that book is, is reading, about how he got to where he wanted to do so you've got that mindset to be able to apply what you want to do to all these tales that are as, are as, are as unique as a fingerprint if you know what i'm saying yeah you know, there's no way that you can follow us a step-by-step -step with any bucktail fly and make it look exactly like what's in the picture there because that hair on that tail is completely different to the hair on the tail that you're using yeah <clears throat> you, you with me because it's um it's uh, bucktail is a bit of a funny thing like that, and I can understand why it's confusing and why people want to know more about what to select. As far as selecting a bucktail for for beasts, look, if you've got the ability to go into a store and and, and look at it, you're gonna you're gonna go through the same trials errors as you would be buying it online because it, unless you got someone showing you or, or picking it for you that knows how to tie them, it's it's how can you say that they know what they're looking at, you know? How, do you, how can you say you know what you're looking at? If you're willing to go through that trial and error, you know, you're beauty. Like I did, a lot of people have, but, it, you know, there's a lot, there's the ability now with um, with uh, access to information through a variety of information that you could probably find someone who can who can pick one for you these day, this day and age, you know? Um, it's hard to pick a, a, a bucktail without knowing what, what to do with it, if that makes sense. It does sound a bit cloak and dagger. Sounds like it's um, not really helpful, but look, beasts are the one of the hardest flies I know how to tie, hands down. Hands down, of all the flies I've, I've ever tied and know how to tie, beasts are the hardest because of that variety in the bucktail. Every every bucktail is different. Some some tails, like you'll reverse time and you'll go to put, um, you know, you'll have them perfect. You'll have them trained underwater. They're, 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 um, they're perfect later and you'll go take them fishing and the, the hair swells from the water and pops that thread dam and the, and the whole fly is fucked 
yeah yep yep do you know what i mean like it's you've you've got to you've kind of got to and and you're like i learned so much from that because it's just so disheartening to spend an hour and a half on a fly to fish it for half an hour then it, then then the bucktail's facing forward and it just looks ridiculous nothing will eat it you know very frustrating so you kind of you kind of hit me with a with a with an explanation for for bucktail there with such a hard fly it's it's <laughs> it's, it really is a bit of a how long's a piece of string. I really sincerely want to answer it. I really, really do. But it's a well, very, very hard question to answer. Here's one for you, hydrodynamics. The um, yeah, so you're tying a clouds right. Um, say you are using um, uh, different. Can you use different parts of the bucktail with different buoyancies to to help? Um, you know, get. Uh, you know, get the um, the hook point up, so to speak, uh, using less hair. Um, yeah, I guess so. But I, I think that um, I think that drag, <clears throat> drag and drag and weight is probably going to be playing more of a factor in clouses than than buoyancy. Yeah. To be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, you can for clouses, you can use a, a massive variety of bucktail. It's a it you know how you how you apply the thread, uh, the amount of hair you use. You know, that's why clouds is such a good fly for people to learn with and, and get better at because you can use a huge array, huge range of bucktail. Uh, bucktail is, um, uh, uh, I'm just trying to think about a better way to put it, but um, I can't really. You can, you can use, you can use bucktail like all. There's, there's not many bucktails you can't use for clouds. Some people like straight stuff. Some people like curly stuff, like wavy stuff. It all comes down to um, the eye of the beholder in that respect, you know. But um, but a clouser, the way that it functions and the way that it works, you know, it's it's more about the weight and the drag than, than the buoyancy, in my opinion. It, you know, what bringing up the bring up the buoyancy of bucktail is, is probably something worth worth talking about as well for people to have a bit of a knowledge base in regards to. What about uh, the back of sort of floating flies like deer, uh, dalbergs and stuff like that? Uh, do you use a buoyant? bucktail there and one that flares more easily no nah, no nah, no nah, well like flies like like any like even a foam popper or a deer popper it's not not the bucktail that's doing anything there yeah right that's just that's just that's just crazy action or profile or length or something like that but you know you still got to be able to control the bucktail when you put it in you know things like stacking the tips or clear and, and clearing the butts these are all standard practices that everyone should be doing with bucktail um do you understand clearing what those terms are so it's so important, like to have a consistent result. If you're a beginner, you know, just pruning the uh, the un well for the shorter hairs out because they um, just leads to a much neater and tidier fly. Um, yeah, and it'd be sounds like Captain Simplicity to someone that you know who's advanced as as the Baroness of Bucktail here, Chris. But you know, it's one of those things that you know is overlooked, and and it's not until you sit down and go, oh wow, if you do that, you get away, you know, more consistent, better result. So yeah. Yeah, and like you said, clearing up, clean up the tips. Um, you know, pointing, pointing out, well, pulling out the outlying aberrant sort of hairs that are just going to look sort of afro-ish, that sort of mm. thing on a finished fly. Yeah, uh, doing that before your time in, because if you pull, try and pluck them out afterwards, you end up with these voids. Uh, you know that suddenly all the other ones are a bit looser too. You know, all the all the hairs that were meant to stay in there have a little bit more room. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Pulling them out and um, and also like stack stacking the tips is um, 
is another good practice to to um to use as well so when you cut the hairs off the bucktail the tips are all uneven you just you're just pulling out the longer ones and and putting it back in the pile to meet the, the even, same length as the um as the other tips and then you find your butts are uneven you just cut the butts square with your scissors and then start tying it on but yeah clearing the butts just like can be the shorter hairs like you mentioned there or, or even some to some degree under fur really um that depends on the time of year that you're um, you get it. There's a lot of materials that have got under fur that need to be combed out or clearing the butts and stuff. But um, in regards to bucktail, it's if you're hearing this for the first time, going, oh, "I've never done that," you really, really should. It's uh, yeah. Um, the buoyancy thing that you brought up with bucktail is something that um, I hear talked about incorrectly a lot. In regards to bucktail, yeah, right. Is something you want to? Something you we, you want to talk? We can talk about. You reckon or? Yeah, mate. Let's let's go. We're we're, we're handling. Some pretty beefy topics, so let's uh, let's run with it. It's not a real long topic, but but bucktail is um, all deer hair, like uh, you know, even I don't know, uh, mule deer, whitetail deer, uh, even caribou, you know, like any, any of those deer, deer species, and other animals as well, which are which we can go into mention in a moment, is um, have like a, a cellular type structure, like uh, if you can imagine like bamboo, so it's got. Um, like a hard casing and then each little each little section's got little pockets of air and um and that's and that's what gives it makes it makes it buoyant as opposed to say synthetics or something like that that don't have anything like that there um uh synthetics can be bought for a different reason we can get into that later but in regards to that you can tell which materials which have got that is because they react to steam um if they were completely hollow all the way through steam you could cut it and steam wouldn't react it but when you trim, say, belly hair, for example, off of Dahlberg, uh, you trim it, steam it, trim it, steam it again, and then and then give it a little once-over after that. Um, the only way, it, it um, when you steam it, everything expands because the air inside is expanding in, in each little cell inside those lengths of hair. Uh, yeah, and that's what gives, um, that's what makes deer hair buoyant for Dahlbergs. You know, if you tie them tight enough, they'll, they'll just uh, float all day long, indefinitely, in fact. So yeah, there you go. That's um yeah. It's only that um that people say that um, and I, I don't think people might. Some people probably don't mean it um, um, literally, but they want they talk about wanting more hollow hair, um, and I guess technically, I guess it is that the uh, some of the hair can be coarser and have like a, a larger diameter. So I guess technically it would be more hollow, but um, but all the hairs technically hollow. Every every hair on those bucktail is cellular like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because you do you hear two people talk about the butts of bucktails as being hollow, and as if as if the other parts of the tail, the hair on the tail, aren't. You know. So one thing I wanted to mention is is just the way that the structure is made. Uh huh. Yeah. Makes sense, dude. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 So that's um, it's a good way to it's a, it's a good way to deal with your with your um, with your flies as well. If you're, you're steaming them, uh, if you've got a tail that's not straight, it might be kinked in uh, transit or something like that. Yeah. Um, steaming it is a, is a good way to um to get it back out. Steaming comb. Some people, I'll do it as well. Like I'll get tails and and before I use them, if I want nice straight hair, I'll steam them and I'll comb them and I'll let it just sit there and just dry. It doesn't take long for them to dry. A couple of minutes before I use it, as opposed to using it straight out of the bag. Yeah, gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got another question too. Like sometimes you'll get hair that, or 
although the tail is straight, the actual hair itself might be crinkly. Um, and you get something like really straight. Uh, do you find, do you have a preference for different sort of uh, crinkly versus straight for different flies? Um, yeah, yep. So most of the times when you get dead straight stuff, it's usually pretty stiff. Yeah, okay, right. But for when, when you're going back to talking about like flies for beasts, for example, the like the, the holy grail for me is um, straight and super soft, like super yeah. soft, you know, like like almost human hair looking soft, you know. If I get a tail, like if I get a batch of 500 tails in or something like that, and there'll be there'll be one or two maybe in that. I haven't had one like that for a couple of batches now, but it doesn't make it to the shop. That stays with me. <laughs> uh yeah so um yeah that, yeah i only take one tail or something like that from those things and i just just yeah they're, and they're always like that but uh i yeah but but yeah it's bucktail is proving to be more difficult to talk about than i thought it was going to be vaults because of the because they keep coming back to the thing of them being all individual and all um as 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 unique as a fingerprint so to speak and i've said that a couple of times now uh, but it's it's true because it doesn't necessarily mean that it's stiff because it's straight and get some really soft stuff because it's straight. I don't think that um, I like to have a little bit of a wave in, in all the flies and stuff that I do. Um, but but the thing with um, but the thing with like hair or any hair synthetic or natural that's kinky, once it straights out as it gets pulled through the water, it also recoils, which can can create a little bit of action as well. You yeah, know what I mean? action and vibration. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's um and that's something to consider as well. But you know, like sometimes when it, you can get you can get bucktail, it's incredibly crinky and it can be almost too crinkly, you know. And I and I don't know if you can really. I've never really attempted to to get that out, get those crink crinkly bits out of the hair. Yeah. You know, don't think you can really. But um, but there's a place for that stuff as well. You know, like you got such a big range with bucktail between say things like deceivers. You know, obviously the pop flies. Yeah, you know, tails in poppers. Um, there's just there's so much you can do. You can you, there's 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 flies you can spin it and stack the bucktail as well. Like Bufords, for example, that's a probably a pretty good fly to talk about in that respect. Like Bufords, I got a friend of mine um, who we've had on the show before, Mark Burns from Urban Fly Co. We've had him on this show. He taught me how to tie Bufords. Um, obviously not side by side because he lives in the states and I live in Australia, but. Um, for a while there, we we're talking about tails, and he says to me, oh, "I got these tails here at home, and they're, you know, they're they're long. I, I, they're long and they're soft. I don't want them. You know, do you want them?" I'm going, "Yeah, I'll take them for sure." I said, "What do you use?" And he goes, "I like the stuff that's, uh, you know, three and a half to four inches at the best and stiff, because he needs to spin them up for for those Bufords. You know, um, some people use deer hair for that stuff. I mean, it's all deer hair, but I mean body hair. But but the guys who tie Bufords like, uh, what's his name?" Can't think of the guy's name who who started it. Who started the Bufords? Brad Bowen. I'm pretty yeah. sure Brad Bowen was the, the originator of the Buford fly. Um, it's all bucktail. It's all spun bucktail. And to, to spin bucktail, you can't do that with the same tails that would you use for beasts or hollows. Yeah. So you got to be specific about what you ask for or what you know what you're going to be looking for. You can't, you know, like going to be hard for me to talk about these materials seeing i own a shop that sells materials but for me if someone's going to ask for or buy a, a, a tail off me um there's only so much you can get from from the effort that we take to go and photograph and tag each individual one 
there's some types of hair that you can just tell that they're soft and they're nice. Some you can tell that they're, they're straight and they're stiff and that. But you should, if you want something specific, you should always ask. And you should always trust the person you're asking in that respect as well. And, you know, I like to think that we go to a great, great deal to earn that trust. Um, but, yeah, it's just such a hard thing to pick out. It really is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can't think of any, I mean, can you think of any more misconceptions in regards to bucktail or any sort of, um, um, uh, you know, hard and straight rules in regards to bucktail? Okay, so the white, the white section, mate, like a lot of people, um, and I've been guilty of it, don't, uh, don't end up using the brown stuff on mm-hmm. the bucktail. Uh, what sort of uses have you come up with for that? Not many, to be honest with you. Um, I just like it as a little bit of a highlight of colour more than anything else, like on the top of a clouser or something like that, but nothing that I would use that specifically for a fly. Do you? Oh, no, just occasionally a topper on a on a uh, chartreuse or yellow clouser, that sort of thing. You know, it comes up good. It's got I'm a not... different... Sorry, mate, you're right. Yeah, just sometimes, yeah, it just comes up, just adds a little bit of contrast to it, I guess, you know. It's got a different feel to the white stuff for sure it's definitely finer um and again even that has got the, the a lot of variations some of the brown stuff you get on some tails is so nice it really is you, you, you know you don't want to throw it away but i honestly and personally can't really bring myself to use it specifically for a fly by itself it's always something to accompany you know the color or the white you know just as a like you said a bit of a topper yeah 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 I can't even think of a fly or a fly pattern that requires the specific use of that back of the tail. Is there yeah. one that you can think of? Oh, mate, neither can I. Like, um, no, I can't. No, not a specific one. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're a real spendthrift and you were determined not to, um, you know, not to waste it, you know, fuck, mate, maybe, maybe some, like, really natural looking size two size four clouses yeah um in regards to what bucktail does under the water which is something we probably should touch on a little bit there as well when we're talking about that opening statement about talking to mal in regards to what flies do under the water for their what you know what you brought up the sonic signature and stuff if you imagine right um a a whip which is like so a, a tapered length of of material it yep. doesn't matter how long. Let's let's just say it's five foot long for argument's sake. Yep. And you jumped in the pool with that whip. But that whip was had that cellular structure. But it was uh but once it got in the water, it was did what any hair does, like on your hair or your head or whatever, it softens. Uh it didn't it the the um the integrity of the structure didn't diminish, it just it just became soft, but the, the air became still remained trapped inside. So if you pulled that whip under and held it by the butt the tip would flow to the surface, right? Mm. You're sort of picking up what I'm putting down there? Sure am. Now, if you imagine like, you know, you you t- you um you were you had a do- had that whip and you tied it to a line, like uh, on a winch or something like that, that went really fast, and you uh you got a diver at one end of the pool and you tie that line to it and you pull it through the pool really fast, that buoyant thing, you could imagine it would wave around and 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 would probably even make an audible noise at that size. You know, you could probably hear with your own ears under the water, but you would be able to, if you were close enough to it, you'd be able to um, feel a vibration of that thing whipping around under the water. 
you, for for a fly like a like a a, um, a bulkhead, could you imagine thousands of those fly those hairs just just whipping around? You know, like what that would do on a on a minute scale. Like the because we don't hear it as humans, you know, when they're that small. Like it's not to say that fish don't. I mean, fish eat it, and the fish are attracted to it. And it's not because of the pretty colours. In in I'm sure the colours come into it. But I, I guarantee you they'd be using that um, that sense of vibration and movement more than um, there's no no smell in it. Well, there shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but uh, more more than the colours anyway, you know. So you got to think of the the action and the and the uh, and the um, the vibrations of those individual hairs are having. Then and to even further more, imagine a bulkhead that's got or a Buford that's got this flared that flared head on it. The 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 spun stiffer parts of the hair. All those hairs sitting up vertically, you know, if you were to do the same thing and like even even if you were to run your finger through the water, like hold it up vertically and push your arms through the water, you would feel your finger vibrating as you pushed it through water. That's right. And, and you've got a Buford or a, or a bulkhead deceiver or something like that. All those little tips, just those, those butts that have been flared up and reversed and tied vertically or uh, upward anyway, that can be trimmed. All of those head, all of those butts vibrating at the same time it's not detectable for us as humans and we can pull it through the water pretty easily and it might seem like it's doing nothing but i guarantee you fish you know obviously fish feel that but that's what's creating the noise that attracts the fish you know bucktails are an excellent medium for that and i really don't think that there is anything similar in synthetics at all that even comes close to close to that yeah it's pretty unique actually even even a lot amongst amongst uh, other naturals it's fairly unique isn't it can you think of any other materials that are have all of those properties in common with bucktail yeah well that's there is start i mean as as our materials material access to materials diminishes like through you know competition from outside of the fishing industry as we mentioned earlier um and as the world grows i guess you could say and the communication grows there's really starting to become a few natural material attorneys and you know, people have been trying to replicate bucktail for years. It's also all sorts of bullshit, you know. But the two that, and um, I'm just about to tell you the two that I'm thinking of. But you know, haters are going to be like, "Yeah, of course it's the ones that you sell." Look, it is. You know, get over it. But um, you know, skunk, which is really new, like only only tied one the other day. And I actually have never swum it, but it ties and steams up exactly like bucktail. But also nyat. You know, nyat's pretty got a pretty had a pretty good run in australia and pretty successful run as well and although nyat is is a lot softer than bucktail it's, it's too soft to uh, to reverse tie it's not far off it i've done hollow flies with just nyat it's not far off being able to do it but it's just a as to tie it in like a deceiver type pattern it's a very good alternative i guess you could say i like nyat for um adding to bucktail to enhance it you know if you've got five inch bucktail and you want seven inch just add two inches of white like sparsely to that clump comb it in with a little comb and it's beautiful it's you know like there's i've got flies on my page that you probably wouldn't even be able to tell i've got nyad and you know i've seen other fly ties do it and probably not even tell people that it's nyad in there either you know like it's it's just the tips you're trying to get you know you don't put 50 50 of the clump in there it's you know i don't know depending on the top of bucktail and the length of it it might be as little as five, ten percent night in there, but it's just a great uh, filler, I guess you could say, for bucktail. Great movement, it's nice and soft, doesn't knot. It's great. If we only knew what a field of nights look like, you know, other people would probably replicate it. But 
Um, <laughs> a lot of people think it's yeah. We've talked about this in the show before. A lot of people think it's sheep. Uh, I, I I I think it's I think it's a type of horse. To be honest with you, but um, yeah, yeah. I see the term night getting around from people using Icelandic sheep now and stuff like that. It's uh, but um, yeah. The term I believe the term night has just come about to cloak exactly what it is. You know, and um, I get it. Yeah. Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. It sounds like sounds like a very versatile material and um, yeah. look at getting you better at using it, that's for sure. Skunk's pretty interesting though. Um, to talk about that just quickly. I don't know a lot about it. It's it, skunk has been something that I've been talking to uh, one of my suppliers in the United States for for a long time. People who listen to this show will know that you and I did a did, we did a show from across from each other like on the deck of my boat a while ago and I was had that skunk tail and you were grabbing it, remember? I was like, yeah. what, what is it? I didn't know what it was. I couldn't tell what it was. Um, and I certainly couldn't smell what I thought it was. You know, well, once yeah. you tell what it was, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. You didn't eat with your bare hands after that, I, I'd imagine, for a, a little while, right? Not for days. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a thought. It's Look, it's, yeah, i got to big box of skunk tails here now like I've, I've had skunk tails confiscated customs a couple of times now it's such a pain in the fucking ass that's for sure but uh it is what it is um and now i've got all my um t's crossed and i's dotted and uh you know i've got a i've got a good supply of them right now they're the same as bucktail huge variety huge variety in the in the, in the tops of tails but incredibly close to bucktail incredibly close and and the, some of the fibers and hairs are like you know seven seven inches long it's it's a it's a final turn it's got some setbacks obviously the color of it um i haven't dyed one yet it's i'd have to bleach one to get the black out of it but i, I kind of like that two-tone color if you're happy with that it's it's a it's a great material it doesn't it doesn't sting it's got the tails i've got now got a little bit of a naphthalene smell to them because they've probably been stored by who's who's got them or probably been waiting for me to buy them i don't know um but other than that, there's no there's no skunk smell. The skunk smell doesn't come from the hair. They got they got a couple of glands near their butt that they use to defend themselves, and that's where the smell comes from. But it's not in the hair. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Though. You know, some some Australian lizards have those um have like uh, scent emitting glands. Some of the geckos. And if you uh, if you come at them bad, they'll um, they'll eject or emit this stuff at you it's pretty crazy huh um green tree snakes do it eh? i don't know if it's is that i don't know if you know about that but like i've had them i lived in the house and we had one in our in our um bathroom and i just sort of shoot it into a box to get it out but while i was sort of hassling it to get into a box and stuff it um um it just stunk like a stink bug eh? you know it was brutal how, yeah. how, how hardcore it smelled do you know about that or yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're known for it. Same with uh, keelbacks. If you ever try and keep them, they don't handle being in captivity very well. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they stink. And um, uh, long-necked turtles too. They uh, they sort of get a bit excited. And, you know, um, obviously not pet ones that are used to being handled. But you know, if you ever uh, if you get a long-necked turtle eat your fly or your jag one for whatever reason, don't bring it in a boat, eh? <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. They, yeah. And they do eat lures. Yeah, it's um, they eat lures, they eat flies. That's for sure. Those things, they hunt them down. Yeah, man. They Don't can, bring they them can feel those vibrations, eh? Yeah, they're they're vi yeah vibration hunters, I believe, right? 
a big lateral line all the way around their t- around their shell. Yeah, they have. It's sure. the e- equator, they call that on the turtles, right? Is that right? Oh, it's news to me. It just sounds like you're making it up. But, I yeah. am making it up, actually. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. So that's some, that's some of the alternatives. Like, there's not too much to really branch on with that. There's nowhere nowhere near the depth in. Um, well, there might be the depth in skunk, but there's nowhere near the depth in Nyat, You know, for that sort of stuff. But uh, you know, out of all the other sort of wools and stuff like that, you know, like I really haven't found anything that comes close other than those products personally. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, like by all means, if you're listening to this and you can think of another alternative. I'd love to, I'd love to hear about it, but I'd love to see it too. You know, like um, it's it's hard to carry weight from a from a you know like a oh I used this back then I really liked it. it's like buck I'd love to see it. You know, like and I mean that with all due respect. It'd be great to be able to see it and just learn. I, I would love. I'm I'm definitely. I'm I'm just like you, Volta. I'm I'm open to learning about what others' experiences are for sure. You can't pretend to know everything, and every day is a school day, so to speak. But you know, it'd be great to see yeah. You know, it backed up with like a, a photo, you know, of, of the fly. That'd be great to see. Yeah. I oh, you know there are. There's, sorry, I, mean, I, I had a friend of mine in South Africa and I can't remember the name of the animal, but I tell you, if this stuff ever got discovered, it would it would probably be a very, give Bucktail a good run for its money as well. Some antelope in Africa. I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it. Um, I got a friend jackalope. of mine. A jackalope? Yeah. Is that a there's that's a mythical creature that's a combined jackrabbit and antelope? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the chupacabra is the one you're thinking of. Yeah. No, it's the chupacabra is from uh, Mexico, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this animal's from Africa, uh, and it's All a right. real animal. And I've seen I've seen pictures of the hair against bucktail, and it's incredibly hard to tell the difference between the two. Right. So, what advantage does it have? Well. If well, I'd have to steam it to see if it's if it's got that same cellular structure, which is a great indicator of of, of suitable material, in my opinion. Um, and I haven't. All I've, all I've done is I've seen a photo, and I've had a, a South African friend of mine tell me that it feels exactly the same, and he's used it in a substitute for bucktail. He's caught fish on it plenty of times, um, and he's told me what the name of it is. It was a couple of years ago. I really can't remember the name of it, eh? But I remember asking him. Are they common? I guess they're everywhere over there. It's just a, it's a type that I know. There's a lot of different types of antelope in Africa. I'm assuming there is, based on what he said. Yeah, not really helping a lot. But I'm, what my point is that there's probably some other other hairs out there that are yet to be discovered that are quite suitable. I mean, how long has skunk been around for? You know, like since the days of Pepe Le Pew, we've known about skunk. You know. <laughs> Why has it not been used as, as I, I shouldn't say, I'm not pioneering anything. Um, you know, there's there's guys that have used skunk, and I've seen it get used sporadically over the years, but not commonly. And I wonder why. I really do. I wonder why it's not got used. Probably because it doesn't dye the colours. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. It doesn't take colour, right? It's just black and white. No, I, I think it would take colour. I've, I've not dyed one. I don't, <coughs> I don't have enough here to dye. Right now, I think when I get my next batch, I'll allow for some to do in certain colours. I mean, orange and black would look awesome in those things. Um, you know, all those colours, orange, pink, chartreuse and black, you know, red and black. You know, there'd be some real, some cool colours you could come up with with skunk, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to bleach it and get it all white. And if we, if I could get that all white, get re, even get rid of that eggshell sort of colour, um, 
man, you, there is no way in the world that you would be able to tell the difference between that and bucktail. No way in the world. An, an expert wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No way in the world. Well, right on. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's yeah. promising, man. I'll, I think it's a watch this space type scenario and uh, I'll, hopefully I'll, I'll have the privilege of being one of the first to hear about it. Hey, Vols, I just bleached my skunk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if I was to bleach my skunk, mate, you would be the first to know. In fact, I wouldn't just tell you. I would do what I just re- um, suggested earlier. I would show you photos. Oh, cool, man. Nice. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to believe me based on what I'm just telling you. Yeah. I would want to prove it to you that I bleached my skunk. You know, you're a pretty progressive businessman, Chris. You know, I'd like to, um, but, uh, you know, I've got no doubt you've you've come up with the next level uh, fly shop for this virtual fly shop. Uh, <laughs> only furs. <laughs> what is it? Only furs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where for just, just five ninety nine a month, I will show you my skunk. Yeah, and, your uh, bleached skunk. Yeah. Bleached skunk. <laughs> Subscribe now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. That was uh, going to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, we, we're going to get cooking through this show here, so we've got a bit to go. We could touch on, on furs and rabbits and so on, what, what they're about. They're pretty simple. They're, well, they're pretty simple. They're, they're just okay. – furs are usually just, you know, there's just hair, there's shorter stuff like fox and raccoon and rabbit and coyote, you know, um, skunk to a degree, like to, to not not to the tail but off the back of it, you know. But, uh, yeah, a lot of those things, they're not all the same either. Like coyote's buoyant but, um, but fox isn't and neither is raccoon. You know, so if you if if you understand the principles of a buoyant material, then you know that's where you would make your selection in regards to the furs and the hairs and stuff. Uh, some some of those ones can't, you know, you can't really tie the hide on either with it. You know, like fox and coyote, you can't, you know, you, the, the the fur the hide's too thin to use. Unlike rabbit, um, yeah, things like that as well. I mean, you, we can't really touch on it too much, but I suppose, but um, we can really. But there's not a lot to touch on in regards to that, really. Um, you know. It's great. I mean, the denser the hair, the more, the more vibration it's going to have. More drag in the water, the more vib- more more um, sonic signature it's going to have. You know, rabbits really really good for that, in my opinion. Rabbits rabbits going to be around for a long time, around forever as a fly time material. For that reason, it's going to be very hard to beat a stripper zonker in a lot of circumstances for movement. And the movement that you're seeing is trans- translating into those vibrations under the water. Oh, totally! I, I love I love the movement of um, of zonka or any you know even rabbit fur when you just tie it in like as uh, it only works on smaller flies it's dictated by the length of the fur but you know I've had reasonable success back when I actually and I'm being serious here there was a was a period in my fly fishing life where I did chase brim a lot on the in the Gold Coast canals and some of my best most effective crazy uh, Charlie style flies had a had a wing of of rabbit it was pretty good. Yeah, but well, yeah. the the rust bucket was uh, had a wing of rabbit too. Did too, didn't it? Yeah, it was a yeah. popular sunny coast fly for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, there's uh, there's a hair there we've missed there with the kip tail as well. Yeah, right. Kip so tail, we've covered. Yep. Kip tail, calf tail. Yeah, I mean we've covered it with uh, with the type of hair that is with um, the cellular structure and blah blah blah. But um, you know, it's it's just a short like a, it's not. But you could use it in places where you would. Um, use bucktail, but on shorter, smaller flies like Crazy Charlies and Gotchas, I guess, if you're wondering what calf tail's for. Yeah, right. 
Great for bonefish flies. Yeah. bit finer too, isn't it, than bucktail? Like, uh, no. It's quite wiry, eh? I mean, it can be soft. depends on the part of the tail. Again, I guess yeah. like, a, like a bucktail. Yep. Yep. You know, the, the, the tips of the tail is usually longer than the, the base of the tail, so the opposite way around, I guess you could say. But yep. um, but it can be generally quite wiry, you know, like like a cow, like cow's hair, I guess you could say. But, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like it. It's good stuff. It's um, it's great for, for um, you know, all sorts of stuff. You can put them on, on um, gurglers and, uh, you know, like you said, wings for, for any sort of gotcha, crazy Charlie-style fly. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a very, it, it's not an underused material. It's just not doesn't seem to be as popular this, these days. You don't see it much these days. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it used to be very, very popular. For sure, man. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should, um, we should, we should spend a few minutes on on synthetics too. And even those, even those are a real. Um, it's something you, you, there's not a lot of time to really spend on it. They come in pretty colours. Um, and there's two deciding factors. One, so, some are buoyant, some aren't. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, how do we find out which ones are buoyant, which aren't? Like, you know, it's not, it's pretty uncommon in my experience, your, your site being the exception for them, to specify the actual, you know, even if, if they're positively or neutrally buoyant or even negatively buoyant. Um, is it just trial and error or, or we just got to, like, how do we find this shit out? You, you can just Google it. You know, if you know what it, if you know what the material is made of, you can you can Google uh, what it is. Um, now, I have mentioned on the show before that that uh, I'm a tradesman. I'm not a hydrodynamicist, solid hydrodynamologist, um, or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Hy- hydrologist. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but through trying to figure out better ways to make game changers work. Did I learn that uh, not all synthetics um, are the same? Um, so it's a there's a thing called uh, I mean that's relative to all um, materials, natural and synthetic, and that is a specific weight. Um, now, I don't know a whole lot about that, but I know that it's con- it's comparable to water. Um, so if it's got a, sp- a specific weight less than water, um, it'll sink. I'm pretty sure that's the way around. Um, very tired i might have to google that i'm pretty sure that's the way around but it's a specific gravity greater than water it'll sink i think hang on specific gravity uh specific gravity or more formally known as relative density is a measure of the density of substance in comparison to the density of water okay so that's that's what it is um uh in regards to which one which one of it means Uh, really, a lot of dead air going on here, but um, yeah. stay with us. Uh, but it, either way, either way, look, I mean, you can, you can, you can, um, you can Google it. Like, I mean, for example, poly- polypropylene. You know, yes, it's well known that one. You know that polypropylene's um, slightly buoyant um, properties. For want a better word, you know. Yeah. Very popular for for a range of those things. Um, you know, a toad. The original Merriman's toad was tied with that. Um, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. And, you know, polypropylene or pro- poly yarn strike indicators for 
our um, our trout fishing brethren. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly, mate. So it's um, high, yeah, exactly. So yeah, strike indicators, like you said, um, floating poly yarn. It's often caught as well in the poly yarn stuff, but. Polyarn, strike in it's just poly, it's all polypropylene. Polypropylene is basically carpet, carpet, you know. If, if there was no carpet industry, we would have no polypropylene fly tying materials, I reckon. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like how many how many actual fibers that we use, like, you know, synthetics have been designed, you know, with fly fishing in mind. And I don't know of any. Well, that's the interesting world that opened up to me as a um as someone who was you know, looking to stock his own materials, I guess you could say was that these materials were there's no there's no big factory just making fly tying materials fly tying is worth fuck all to people that can manufacture polypropylene that um it's got to be it has to be done somewhere for other industries if you know what i'm saying you yeah. know yeah uh, and then we, we just use we just use i mean we're a byproduct for, for those industries completely uh you know things like uh, i mean there's there's the reason I don't run with some of the other bigger brands and stuff because I don't know what they are, you know. I have to find out along the like I can't find out, you know, one hundred percent what they are. Um, one of the big names, synthetics. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I know what they what they are. I can tell by the way they act in the water. They weren't suitable for myself and my flies in the, in the time, and um, so I can only make assumptions. I'm not about to do that online on the, on the show tonight. But um, my point is that. Um, you can Google this sort of stuff, you know. If and as it relates to the sh the point of the show, is rega in regards to selecting the materials for your fly selection, uh, a buoyant uh, like in regards to game changers, uh, a buoyant synthetic to made to make them with is going to allow your fly to swim much lower speeds. Uh, it's gonna have it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be just easier to twitch and and work at slower speeds if that's what you want, you know. If you want something to sink like a stone and not have much action, you know, you use a sinking synthetic, you know, and you'll, you'll get exactly what you want there. Um, you know, if you're tying flies and you're starting to discover different materials and they're not and they're not doing what you want them to do, you know, buoyancy could be the the, the one thing that um, you're not taking into into consideration, particularly with synthetics. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's worth considering. Overlooked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and getting back to the like, you know, again, the point of the show in that respect is, is, is understanding why you would use those specific materials. Now we're we're relegated to, well, we're we're constricted, I should say, to a you know a, a, a one half hour, two hours if we're really stretching it out time slot. So we can't talk about every material, but the ones that we are talking about, you can understand that we're we're trying to offer a, a mindset so you can look further into achieving the actions that you want to achieve from your flies by understanding the materials that you select right and that's um i guess that's the point of it so in regards to synthetics uh buoyancy is a big one it's the one that might be the most uh, underlooked there i think the other one is the um the straightness of it or uh, or the lack of or the or the, how crinkled it is um i thought you were going to bring this up in regards to bass vampires um the other just before because bass vampires are a great example i was talking to um uh, another a friend of mine, Shane. Sorry, my volume's going up here. Um, the other day, he was wanting to fish for barra in dirty water, and he was talking about how, you know, he uses a, a vibration of a trans am or a jackal to get their attention. Yeah. I said, "You're not, you're not going to be able to do that with a fly, man. There's no way in the world." But if you want max vibration, I said, 
one of the one of the effective things on a on a bass vampire is that mylar. A lot of guys will substitute that out for, you know, crystal flash or, or or you know maybe even straight mylar, but that mylar tube that's that's been braided over a cotton cord that you rip out, yeah, um, is so pre-tensioned or so curly after you fray it out that when you drag it through the water it's trying to recoil as it's getting it's getting straightened out as you drag it through the water when it recoils it's like a little propeller that the um that mylar tail is so imperative to the to the success of that bass vampire in my opinion simply for that reason you know i i i really feel and have and, and have been in the presence of flies that have outfished other flies and there's a few factors that the glow eyes is one of them but that mylar it really it you can see you drag it through the water it straightens out you stop stop stripping the fly it recoils if you bring it up closer enough to the water you can see the the surface rather you can see the um boils no i mean they're tiny but you can see the presence it's in the water boils is not the right word presence it creates you know um but yeah. you know to get some bigger stuff of that and put it on the back of like a large bucktail gotcha or something like that the vibration has got to be great and the light that throws around is just a good byproduct of it but uh, any of those materials like kinky fiber or even yellow fiber or, or um, what's the stuff that Hedron make that um, Gunnar Brammy uses all the time? Cool. Strung fuzzy fiber. That's what it is, yeah. Um, okay. You know, those, those, all those crinkled or kinked materials, like they are, they are a pretty good, um, they probably do a very, they do a very similar thing without the buoyancy that Bucktail has just by straightening out and recoiling under the water you know they they create a lot of lot of disturbance and a lot of lot of uh presence in the water just by, by doing that uh that's 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 definitely one thing to consider i talk we talk about um you know synthetic materials being buoyant as an advantage but you know you look at um you know dean butler's flashy profile right uh now that fly is designed to be pulled down vertically by a fast sink line at a rate of knots, like real fast. Uh, you want you want slim materials. You want you want synthetic materials so it doesn't have any buoyancy, so it pulls through the water and and sinks and just doesn't have any restriction at all to go to do what it wants. It's another example of selecting materials to to help a fly do what you want a fly to do as an angler. Yeah. You know. Uh, so yeah, synthetics have definitely got the place. A lot of people poo-hoo synthetics and think that that you know it's not it's not fly tying. Um, I don't know how those people have got the time to complain after forging their own hooks and you know farming their own silkworms for thread and stuff. But um, yeah, they <laughs> seem, they seem to find time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It, anyway, it, it, that's the beauty of fly fishing is different things to different people. Yeah, and, uh, you know pointing out the duality in their um in their morals at times is uh confronting holding a mirror to them not popular yeah 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 exactly mate uh yeah all right mate Let, so we get onto the uh to the to the showstopper here yeah, and um about feathers let's talk about feathers mate yeah i'm gonna talk about something that's fairly specific straight up with these um because yep. it's something that's sort of taken my fancy, as you know, I've been <clears throat> buying up a few um, uh, feathers suitable for flat wings, okay, over the time from yep. you. Let's talk about those, like um, exactly 
what am I looking for in a great flat wing feather? Um, how should I store them? And what should I do if, you know, I get a patch that, you know, some of them are, uh, you know, look great shape, but they're twisted halfway along. All right. Lots to unpack there. Um, yeah. As far as, um, as, a, as a good shape for a flat wing feather. Um, um, okay. I can, I can talk from experience as someone who, who has had feathers, saddle, whole saddles sent back to them. <laughs> by some uh, by some great flat wing tires um because you know like they're they're fussy and they should be and they they're good because they're fu- they are fussy yeah um now i've heard that probably the best way i've heard a suitable flat wing uh feather described is is sword shaped right but by that it means um you know wider at the base and and obviously thinner at the at the end yeah now that's that's a pretty common shape for a for a flat wing uh, sorry so, for a feather, rather. Like we're talking about the, you know, the Knights Templar style, you know, sword or a, a pork sword. What sort of sword are we talking about, man? Definitely not a pork sword. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, um, <laughs> um, but uh, but you know, again, you know, I'm not with you all the time, so who knows what you experience. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just remind you were in the circus as sword swallow, were you? Like, did you? you, you... <laughs> <laughs> That's weird, man. Yeah. I anyway, didn't um. See that coming. No. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. So, like a sword, like it's, it's a good way to describe it. But um, it's it's you, you kind of want that dramatic taper, like you want it, like you get you want a saddle feather, like as opposed to a strung saddle feather, you know, like a saddle on a patch. Is, is what makes the most ideal flat wing feathers starting there, okay? You probably could, one in a hundred, find a bag of strung saddle that's got suitable feathers for flat wings, but generally those things are seven inches max. You yeah. know, flat wings are generally big flies. You can make them really small, but the feathers, I've, I'm yet to see a suitable feather for a flat wing that's come off strung saddle, so we can rule that out. It's got to come off a patch. Now, it's a it's a saddle. We're talking saddles, which we can get into the difference between saddles, capes, and necks, and you know, slapping and stuff like that later on. Um, but for now, a flat wing saddle, suitable flat wing saddle, flat wing feather is a saddle feather. Uh, most likely, a ninety nine point nine percent of the time off of a patch, but it's not every saddle that has it. You know, like it's it's very hard to find a supplier who sees the value in a in a feather that shape because trout fishing is is by far the most dominating fly fishing genre in the on the planet and fly fishing in general is such a small niche of industry on the planet even smaller than that is is saltwater fly fishing and even smaller than that is people that want to tie flat wings so it's it's very rare to find a a a supplier who's gonna make flat wings like flat wing type saddles uh you know, like guys like, I mean, I, and I, I sell a lot of this stuff. I sell a lot of hairline stuff in the shop. They, they, they've got it like hairline, hairline make um, flat wing saddles and stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go by the name with with those, so to speak. I, you know, like I think that, um, yeah, they're nice saddles, some of those ones and stuff like that. But they're not, they're not exactly breeding them for flat wings. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
yeah, you, you can see what I'm saying. Here. Like they 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 can be hard to find. They're a specific thing. It's like a good bucktail. Jeez, Volts, you hit me with beasts with um with the buck with the bucktail talk and straight off the bat flat wings with this one. You couldn't you, you couldn't get a more specific demand out of feathers or bucktail with between those two feathers in my opinion. Really, at the end of the day, um, but really let's not overcomplicate it. It's a sword. It's a sword shape. And the reason for that is, is because as you pull that fly through the water, uh, the turbulence created by the wider part of the feather it starts to starts to um, act on the thinner part of the feather behind it. And I've heard people call flat flat wings the first game changers because the way they articulate side to side when that flat feather is tied in flat like that. Now, if you had a dead straight feather, there is no bulky part of the feather to create that turbulence behind it. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. That making sense there. You want you want the water to act on that wider part where it's tied in, and and you know the the fly will take the path of least resistance as it's pulled through the water, and the and the feather will shimmy from side to side as you're pulling it through there and giving it that swimming action. Flat wings are um are a really interesting fly like that. They they really really are. And you t to tie them well, like say Al Simpson does, you know, as an example in Australia, um, you know they can be they can look unassuming in photographs. But to see them in the water is is truly a remarkable thing, that's for sure. Yeah, the thing of beauty. You see one of those swim like it's it. Uh, you don't want to use the word sexy, but it's pretty damn. You know, you can you can picture it getting smashed. So. You can see you can see why a fish that might be following up from behind with all those feathers shuffling from left to right would feel as though it's alive. That's for sure. Would feel it. Bad choice of words off the bat there, but um, would sense that it's alive and would feel those feathers moving. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. To put it that way, um, we can break down the types of feathers. I talk about saddles. Um, it's a pretty simple explanation. I had it explained to me pretty simply. I'll never forget it because you feel really stupid when you've had it explained to you. Um, I remember asking a friend of mine, "What's the difference between saddles and capes?" And he goes, "Well, get it. Imagine a chook." And you um, put a saddle on it. That's where the saddle is. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as a cape goes, you get a chook. If you tied like a Superman cape on it, that's where the cape is. <laughs> <laughs> I go, should I ask about necks? Uh. If you like. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where they all they all come from. Um, the only other part of the part of the um, of the bird that's um, that we haven't mentioned, which you mentioned, touched on a little bit there, is the, is the schlappen. Uh, Where's the schlappen found on a bird? The, sh the schlappen is um, is is generally around the tail tail feathers, I guess you could say. So it's behind, like further down towards the ass, past the saddle. Uh huh. Yep. You, you'll often get parts of um, parts of you, you'll if you get a whole saddle. The um, the larger, bigger feathers at the at the bottom of it um, are usually starting to be quite schlappeny, if you like. Um, uh -huh. They're a wider, softer feather, more webby. Um, great for flies like um, semper flies, things like that. Uh, for palmering, for wrap, wrapping around hackles and stuff like that as well. You know, schlappens schlappens are really nice material. Some people use them as as wings to tie them in. Um, personally, I I like the the narrower feathers for my type of style of fly tying for saddles. 
but yeah, no, slapping all parts of the bird are, um, are handy, that's for sure. I don't use a lot of necks. Necks are sort of more of a, um, they're a smaller feather. They're probably more more suited to tails of Dahlbergs, if you like, or um, or palmering for smaller flies or smaller wings. Like getting, you're starting to get into trout flies a bit there, but capes, saddles, and slapping is what we would use more for saltwater uh, and um, you know freshwater natives in Australia, at least. What about cockneck? Well, cockneck, a cock's just another way of describing about a male chicken or a rooster, you know. So, you know, cocknecks are just um, neck feathers that are cut off a rooster. So how would the <clears throat> rooster feather on a neck be different, you know, rega- well, how would it be different from a, a cock to a hen? It's a good question there, Volts. Um, same with hen saddle, hen, hen capes and, and uh, versus rooster capes and rooster saddle as well. The the feathers on hens tend to be softer and wider and have more of a um, rounded point on them, if you know what I'm saying. Right. So they they're not they you don't get those you don't get those big long thin feathers from hens, right? So uh, as an example, I don't tire these flies. I just have never felt the need to, or the or under my understanding of them, I've never felt they apply to my fishing, but. Feather game changers, as an example, um, people use people use hen saddles for those um, because they're a nice wide feather and they're soft and they're, they're you're able to palmer them on. Like if you palmer on like a hen saddle, it'll be much webbier. Uh, by that I mean softer uh, and more more liable to you know lean back if you blew on it than um, than a rooster saddle, which would which would stand up more and be more spiky. If you get, I guess you could say. So, uh, the head of a whistler, you know, like you wouldn't use you wouldn't use a hen saddle on that. You would use rooster saddle to get a nice spiky uh, head on it. So then it acts all those all those feathers act as vibration the same way we talk about flaring up bucktail at the head of a fly. If you know what I'm saying. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, sort of yeah. like. Um, Jack Porter, when when we had on, we had him on. I probably missed the opportunity to to pick his brain about everything chicken related. Um, you know, particularly the you know the genetics of the of the different parts of different breeds of chicken. Um, yeah, would have been. Uh, I might, next time I catch up with him, I might ask him about that. Well, I one of the breeders that I deal with in the United States, I've heard some. You know, like. Uh, so, some interesting facts in regards to that stuff. So, um, for as as an example, if they're breeding a like a, a white feather, right? They can um, they can get that from that stereotypical red color in like you know eight or nine generations, you know wow. of um, and that can happen pretty quickly, like in, in in a matter of like you know a couple of few months. I could be butchering that, but I'm pretty sure this is the way the way it goes. Um, so within, you know, they'll get generations that'll happen quite quickly. You know, where where they'll um, they'll start to get those genetic uh, desirable genetics will start to show through, and then they'll then they'll just keep those chooks together, and eventually they'll just throw exactly what they want. And they do the same thing with the wider feathers, um, the shape, the shapes of feathers, the length of feathers, all that sort of stuff as well. Um, Jack alluded it when we had him on the show, like the upkeep that 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 people who breed chooks for fly tying. Because he shows chooks, he um, he probably goes above and beyond this, but 
the way that they have to keep the the birds so that they don't you know when they drag the tips of their feathers on the ground so the tips stay intact you know they they carpet them they got to they got to clean out their their pens every day they don't let them run around the yard and in dirt and stuff like that they they probably have better living quarters than than most people you know just to keep them nice and clean so the the cost of of maintaining those birds that's why feathers are so expensive for fly tying you know there's yeah. um you know they have to be fed well because all those barbs need to be like the barbs along the stem need to be such so even and, and nice and dense yeah there must be there must be a real it must be crazy the amount of, amount of work that has to go into to keep keep feathers looking good on the bird you know i don't think that i think that's them as well say it again mate sorry then there's the signs of feeding them as well yeah absolutely i'm, I'm sure that well jack alludes to that like the diet that he gives them to show a bird uh, which I'm sure that the um, the quality of the feather is is part of that judging process. It's quite a, um, a well thought out process um, to to maintain the upkeep of those birds. It'd be interesting to go like for anyone who's really interested to go back to Jack's episode and listen to that. But yeah, it's um it's quite fascinating what uh, what these geneticists do to to maintain uh, a line of birds that that produces feathers that are quality enough for. The niche, niche little market of saltwater fly fishing or predator feathers or you know flat wings in particular. You know, it's not they're not they're not the type of feathers for everyone. You, a flat wing feather is not a desirable feather to go tie and hollow flies with. You know, to intertwine into that. Um, some of those feathers aren't awesome to tie basic deceivers with. Sometimes, um, you know, the strung saddle or as it's called Chinese chunk, strung saddle. Um, I really don't know where that comes from or what those birds must look like. I just imagine they're, I don't know, probably from the colonel, you know, those birds. I don't know. They, they're probably not very well-kept birds, those strung saddles. Um, they've got their place, but they're a nice nice wide feather that can be used quite well on a deceiver or something like that, but it's not, that feather's not going to work very well at all, um, integrated into and tented into a um, beast fly or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah whereas you know like like you mentioned toads earlier like merriman's toad you know like i like to like put a little wind of hackle in around that and but um but i'll use a saddle for that you know i, I like a strung saddle uh, sorry a rooster saddle off a patch you know but a strung saddle is not going to work well at all there it's gonna be too wide um you know there's flies like we talk about the whistler or I, I finish off pink things the same way i'll tie on maybe four four hackles at a time and palmer them on all at the same time uh, some people will try and interwind and work them in around each other, but I just grab four at once and wind four around at once, and it just makes a really nice spiky head. Integrates well with a collar of slapping behind it, uh, yeah. and and in and both those are in front of marabou usually. So you know marabou's from turkeys, um, and marabou's not hollow at all. Um, but yeah, we can get into that if you want. But while we're on the subject of chooks, there's a lot of lot of variety and a lot of variation in regards to that really at the end of the day but um specific yeah. feathers for specific jobs go a long way for specific flies good way to sort of put it really yeah i just um uh, just circling back on something i googled um where where do cock neck comes from it says cock neck <laughs> found i'm oh, sorry yeah it's most regularly found hanging out the top of jet ski water jackets oh no way that's really amazing. 
<laughs> there you go, mate. What other parts of the jet ski can you use? <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. 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 I have yeah. to give that some thought. Yeah, man. Uh, one other thing that um, Adam, who who inspired this whole show, brought up was was the difference between grizzly and non-grizzly. And that's quite simple. Grizzly just means the black barring in it. Non-grizzly doesn't have any barring in it. Okay. Yep. You yeah. knew that though, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's pretty easy for you and I, for how long we've done it, to take these things for granted. I, I, I really wanted to sort of offer something quite si- like basic and simple to be able to explain this stuff without going too into tech. It's hard to get into the materials and talk tech without talking about um, the specific flies. Um, obviously, you're brushing on those sort of flies, but um, I want to explain the materials more, I guess you could say. Feathers are incredibly durable. Like For such a... Uh, 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 an item that's associated with light and fluffy and you know non-abrasive or what have you they're so tough like in they're so durable as a as a natural material probably more durable than than most other natural materials in my opinion um yeah they're they're, they're quite good it, it, like you it, it'd be worth an aspiring fly tire to to learn how to integrate different feathers into their fly tying uh, to, to, to improve their fishing, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, a, a good example of, like, again, buoyancy coming into that, we talked about turkey or the marabou. People have often said to me, "What do you before better tails came along for game changers, what do you do for your game changer tails? And I used to wrap palmer. Palmer just means winding around a hook. Um, I used to palmer schlappen on the, on the tail of a lot of my game changers and stuff because... Schlappen's got an element of buoyancy in it, whereas Maribu is quite heavy. Uh, and again, when you talk about Merriman's toadfly and stuff, I'd have heard, um, you know, Andy Mill reference the uh, the heavy Maribu in, in the arse end of it with the with the buoyant fly. And when I've fished um, toads for, you know, togas where I've used the most of them, and I see toads as like a um, a, uh, a a sight fishing only, not a searching fly. They're for, just purely for, for putting in front of cruising fish. When you get that toe to swim properly with like mono eyes and that and that that polypropylene head uh and it being flat like that if it's trimmed really nice and tight it's like a disc like the the the, the marabou weighs the, the bottom end down and the front end rides up and you're pulling it along and it's just shuffling along and that whole marabou is just waving its tail and you can see why tarpon it it's the same reason um well i, I don't know why tarpon eat. i've never fished from but i should say i know why toga eat it because it just it just it just dances in front of them, like the the um the weight of the marabou pulling the back down and the, and the front of the head of the toad pulling the fly up and it planing up as as the angle is pulling it towards them. Such a such a nice fly, such a well uh for for someone who admires the technical aspects of the materials chosen, a toad is a is a real spectacle of um of of uh of fly design in my opinion. Oh, there's so much going on, like. For an economy of materials and, um, you know, like so well, so well done. Yeah. 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 There is a, there's a really good article where, um, Gary, Gary Merriman has been interviewed by Tail Magazine. If, if people want to search it out, I'm sure you could Google it and find it. Tail Magazine is a free magazine online. Uh, and it's really interesting to hear him talk about that and Harry Spears, Toadfly, uh, Toad, Toad, I can't remember what he call it. They're both called toads, but there's a fish called a toad. Well, toad was originally a bonefish fly. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. 
it's um yeah but anyway they are without getting that that article is super interesting and it's um yeah i'm not i'm not super convinced that that they realized how technical they were getting with the fly selection as opposed to more being availability of materials um i think that the first thing came through was rabbit strip for a toad before marabou i can't remember from that i read it in the article that's where i've learned it from um, but the rabbit strip would have done the same thing being that heavy rabbit strip would have pulled the ass end down and the polypropylene would have you know made the nose stand up which would have made a really good enticing fly at slow speeds sure would mm. sure would. i think the original I, I read that too and it was the um the <clears throat> the fur was pointed down like facing yeah. down yeah yep. yeah yeah, super, super interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of these, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a chicken before the egg thing, isn't it, with these fly designs? You know, um, uh, you know whether whether someone creates a caricature of a of a bait that they're wanting to um, you know use to, to 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 hunt the fish that they're chasing, and to source materials that are just available to them at the time, and to have that fly work. And then go back as to the reason why it works, as opposed to picking a selection of materials to to make it work. If if is that make sense? Yeah. There's probably been a lot of flies like that in history that have been, you know, that have I wouldn't say fluked, but you know, the level of thought of of understanding the the hydrodynamics or the um, <laughs> you know, the sodic signature or the uh, specific <laughs> gravity of materials hasn't really gone into it until holy shit that worked. I wonder why. You know, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. But I think as an aspiring fly fly designer for for people that are listening or even, you know, to, to basically understand, I think you would right now if someone said to you after listening to this show, I want to tie a, a clouser out of synthetic. I know people do. I'd like to think that you'd come away from this going, why would you when you can just use bucktail? You know, it's uh. <laughs> You know, and there's the reason why, you know, like you got the, the drag of that, that type of material. We already know that um, some synthetics create less drag. And also the buoyancy of it is going to help it keel up and it's going to create the action. You know, a, a, a stem that's full, filled full of air in the water is going to, like I said with the whip, is going to move around a lot more than something that's not. If sure. you want to look at it that way. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. 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 Um, in, in, in relation to feathers and stuff, I'd, I really, um, uh, you know, it get they get a lot of use, like uh, besides just wings and stuff like that for salt water, like claws on on capes is a good a good use for it, as you would know with the VGDC, right? Yep. Yep. Do you want to elaborate a bit more on that? Uh yeah, yeah. So the best ones I've found have been um, have been a, <laughs> ironically, they're about. 20 bucks a patch i can't remember the exact name of them they're a, they're a, a neck hackle i think um fuck, i'll just go get one out of the out of the bench indian cape indian uh, capes aren't they like yep, it's, that's um, it. yep the indian indian cock caves that's them yeah indian cock cape that's the one yep yeah yep um and not all the not all the feathers on that cape will be suitable like you know how you spoke about breaking the uh bucktail down into thirds i reckon on most of the ones i've seen you could rarely get more than a quarter of the um a quarter of the cape would be suitable for the majority of sizes of um <coughs> crabs that we use mm-hmm. um and i generally tie in uh a minimum of four sometimes six if i'm really uh really adventurous 
uh, and there's a reason for that. You get a you get a slightly better splay in terms of like uh, I don't know how to explain it. You'll end up with the more swallowtailed effect, like in my eye, resembling a, a claw, like an open claw. You, you also get a lot more um, structural integrity with the layers of feathers too, as opposed to one just folding back with the tide, right? That's it, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. Adds a bit of drag, shuttlecock effect. Um, helps it sink properly, and sinking properly is half the issue. The other thing is settling properly. Like when it hits the bottom, it's, you know, um, obviously sinking properly leads to it settling properly. Uh, but, you know, obviously you still want the... Uh, <coughs> The, the claws, you know, still up, catching a bit of water, maybe moving around, a bit of natural movement, but not too much. So, mm. yeah, I like that. And also there's the um, the aspect that if you get chewed by a fish, uh, particularly tusk fish, uh, they live in areas where there's lots of little pickers. There might be cods or or uh, little emperors or stuff like that, just willing to steal your fly. Nothing worse than having, uh, having hackle, like the claws fall out. And then you lose the functionality, the confidence, uh, and the aesthetics of the the fly that looks like how it's meant to. The fish is like how it's meant to. Mm. Yeah, I'm just gonna take a puff, man. I've got a bit of bit of uh, asthma here at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, the other thing I do is I try and stick them in uh, with an adhesive. I sort of cheated after a while, and I think I got to telling you at one stage that. Um, uh, using the Radzap Flex and uh, and a torch sort of changed. Uh, we sped up my, um, my 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 tying times on those and also increased the durability. So why yeah. wouldn't you? I don't know. <laughs> it, just, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't change anything. It's uh, you know you, you still got to be able to put that fly in front of a fish. You know, like it's having having the having the glue having the feathers set on and in place so they don't roll around on the stem. Uh, if it shaves ten minutes, I mean, if it gets you back into watching Home and Away, you know, like what's what's the harm? <laughs> they, they reckon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's um, yeah, resins are. Re I mean, don't want to get in. I mean, we, we've we've covered a lot of uh, of materials, I suppose. There's a lot more things to tying flies. There's the tools, the you know, the accessory like the resins and glues and stuff like that as well. But we really don't have time to get into on this show. Um, but uh, you know, I think we've I think we've kind of rounded it up, mate, with the with the feathers and and the and the bucktail and the um. Again, like I mean, the the preference of the, uh, the sorry the preface of the show and the the theme of the show really is to explain more about the actual material rather than its application. Um, and I, look, I, I hope we've done it for you, the listener. I hope we've um, I hope we've 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 probably covered a lot of stuff that you might already know. Um, experienced listeners will probably already listen to this and think, well, you know, duh. Uh, and that's great. We, we hope that everyone gets up to that stage. Uh, and there might be things you disagree with us for with as well. And for that, we sincerely apologize. Um, well, I do. I don't know. Do you, Volts? Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I think yeah, I thank everyone for getting this far too. If you listen to this, put up with our bad puns. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't been the most riveting show. Hopefully, it's been an informative show. <clears throat> it's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I'd oh. like to ask Josh if you like the sound on this one. <laughs> <laughs> We've, uh, we, we know we disappointed some people with the last one. And look, hey, <laughs> we apologize. 
you need no to hear a funny story. The first um, first training session with this kid's soccer team, uh, you know, I said, I was trying to get to know their names. You know, there's a there's a Bentley and there's a Fletcher and, you know, all the, all the names you'd expect. And then uh, there's this kid. I said, what's your name? Was Joshua. I said, <laughs> sorry? He was Joshua. I said, like, is that like a, a cross between, you know, like, you know, Joshua and, like, Ethan or something like that? And, <laughs> and, he, and he goes, what? What? I said, it's like one of these new age names, right? You know, your, your parents, like, you know, do they have jobs and stuff? And and he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, Jothua is not, not a regular name. And he just looks at me and he goes, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> How did you, I, bet you, I bet you wish the earth would just open up and swallow you there, right? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Embarrassment. Oh, no, I just said, piss off, mate. And that was it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. It is, yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah it's like, you- like Jathan. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one too. I just thought I'd change it. Yeah. <laughs> Jothua. Yeah. yeah Joth- Jothua Radloff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled it off exceptionally well, mate, with great sound quality. Thank you, sir. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great, great dentition. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this one up, mate. You've got um, you got some uh, some stuff to organise. We don't have to talk about it on the show, but um, uh, we'll be back um, next yeah. in the next fortnight with uh, with a guest. We promise you. Yeah, a good one. Uh-huh. Another great one. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks very much. I'll see you later. Th- thank you, Volts. I really appreciate it, mate. No worries. Catch you. Bye.